Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit our sustainer on this day. Well, that was fun, finding a mustard seed. It's a good story. It's one that most of us probably know, the mustard seed faith and all of that. But let's get some context for the story. Imagine the scene a little bit. All these people are following Jesus and they're gathered around. The Pharisees and other wealthy people are standing around grumbling. Jesus has been antagonistic and feisty and telling messages about them, which means speaking against them and some of their behaviors. Others who are following Jesus, the sick, the poor, the outcast, they're excited. He's healing and casting out demons and welcoming sinners and and telling them that God cares about lost things. Heaven celebrates when people are found. He says the kingdom of God is among them and loving others over money and self is a better way of living and they're excited. Others, like the disciples, are feeling more burdened. They've been hearing Jesus challenging messages about discipleship. Things like pick up your cross and follow me. Die so that others may, or die so that you might live and other such things. Now there's some specific context to our text because today something Jesus said finally was the last straw. And here's what it is. Jesus said to the disciples, occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. In other words, our love matters and little ones refers to people either young in faith or maybe children. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there's repentance, you must forgive. And if that same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. And it's at this point that the disciples cry out to the Lord, increase our faith. It finally sounded too hard to be honest with you. The request sounds very similar to some of my own these days. Jesus, increase my faith. Even just a little bit. It's not that I feel particularly faithless. It's just that when I look at the world, it seems so uh, complex, complicated. I mean, you look out there, and where does it all end with the world or nation or rapid city or the changing landscape of church or our own lives? There's always something, and you try to do that thing and fix that, and then this happens, or it's it's complicated. But let's not forget that the social and political and religious domains of life in Jesus' day were complicated, too. They were inextricably intertwined and so that one thing was always related to the other and so is our world. And we can't pretend that our faith isn't supposed to impact the whole of our lives. I know we think, or if we think, that that politics doesn't have a place in our practice of, of faith or in our discussions 
at church to challenge and transform us, we're not listening to how Jesus says what he says. It's supposed to be all together, and yet it's hard to hear. Christ was always political, always moving, intersecting every part of life with his love and his message and his power. It's why the disciples cry their cry, Lord, increase our faith, and it's why it seems completely logical to make that our own cry too. Especially since we, talking about Christians now, seem to reach many different conclusions and outcomes when our faith intersects our lives and we try to live it out. He lives out his, and I live out mine, and we reach two different things, and sometimes they even seem opposing. Increase my faith. It's getting pretty desperate down here sometimes, Lord. I think I understand the request, though. And I understand it because I think it's the same as ours, but, but really, why do we want more faith? What's behind that question? And I'll just speak from a personal standpoint the questions that I had. Why do I imagine or what do I imagine that more faith will get me as your pastor? What will more faith get me as, as a husband to my wife or, or a father to my children or, or as a human in this world? More faith. What do I want? An easier life? Less pain and suffering? Sure. A life lived with less doubt and, and more certainty? Heck yeah! Easy solutions to the problems we're facing? Of course. But I'm not even sure that we know what we're asking for. We only know, like the disciples, that we can't do this on our own. I, I was wondering when they ask for faith if, if it's if it's a thing that can be measured, like I have more today and more tomorrow, or is it more like a power, like a superhero kind of power? I'm not sure. But when I think back on my journey in life, in faith, faith has brought me to this point amidst the doubt and the scars that life has given me. Huh. Oh, and I have scars. And so do you. Deep ones quite often. Broken heart spots that have healed or are healing or that will probably never heal. Nevertheless, I look back and I realize that no matter how big or small my faith was, I've endured and persevered and here I am and I can only say the same thing about you because here you are too. With whatever faith you have. With whatever faith I had at the time, I'm here. And I, I wonder then if faith is more about a quality of something than quantity. Just a suggestion. Whenever you read faith in Scripture, it's a safe bet that you can replace the word faith with trust. Lord, increase our trust. We're going to have a third grade Bible event today. Parents, you're doing an important work today, fulfilling promises made way back when so that trust can grow in your child and they can better endure the things in life that will bring them scars or better see where God is working so they can celebrate joy. It matters like in Timothy 
our reading today. I remember Eunice and Lois and the faith that you have. It's handed on. And God promises to speak through Scripture, doing something in us, acting upon us as we encounter the living Christ Jesus through the Word and through each other. You know, my dad was the best buddy that I had ever since I was old enough to walk. And walking was a big deal because dad walked fast. When my father had places to go, he went quickly. I can remember trailing behind him as a little guy, coyote hunting or doing whatever. And as I would walk, I would try to put my feet in his footsteps. And I've, I've shared that story with you before. One of the reasons was because it was just easier. He was breaking snow trail. But in my head... The length of my stride marked me as growing up and turning into a man like my dad. And my dad worshipped and served and prayed and gave faithfully. And he he even wrote devotions about the outdoors and God. And and he taught me to find God's presence in in all the rhythms of life and and nature. And, And of course, you also know one of my scars. He died from cancer in 2008. And in moments of hardship like that, we cry out, Especially, increase my faith because it hurts so much. You know, when I look back over the years and the time I've spent with my father and other people who are now gone, people from here or other places, I truly can't make sense out of their suffering or their own most days but I can make sense out of their footsteps. I mean, yeah, Dad taught me all that stuff that fathers teach their kids, but, but, but he was really teaching me how to walk in faith. That's not something we figure out all at once. It's a journey in which you'll probably stumble a lot and feel like you're just trying to catch up with the Father who's leading the way, but, but that's it. Living in faith doesn't help us fix life. It doesn't make it the way we want it or make it live easily and pain-free. That's just not how it works, but it does help us find our way and endure and even figure out how to find joy. Don't make little people stumble so important because little people can just accept that God's there, loving them. Faith isn't a thing that can be measured or that needs to be compared to others. It's It's just a way of being in the world, putting one foot in front of the other, trusting that God is leading the way. That's why we can't measure it any more than we can measure God's love. We have all we will ever need as a gift from God. And so the disciples, they're they're sitting there hearing this burden of discipleship and discipleship and discipleship, and, and they're afraid too. He's been teaching them those deeper things of discipleship. The things that aren't for the little ones or the young in faith or the faint of heart, things like radical forgiveness, sacrificial love, putting power aside. And I'm not sure those are the things they expected when Jesus invited them to follow him. By this time, they followed him through demon possessions and healings, feeding people and and healing sick people who had absolutely no hope. 
They looked out at their world and they saw the complexity of it all. It was tough politically, spiritually, physically, and Jesus offered them power. And then he started talking about all this other stuff. That he was going to suffer and die and that life was going to get really hard. And they were supposed to pick up their cross too. And there they were walking the hard road to Jerusalem trying to put their footsteps in his. But all the while growing in the knowledge that the footsteps they were walking in were going to lead to a cross. Where the powers of sin and, and death were going to kill Jesus and put him in his tomb. And he says, follow me. And they say, increase our faith. They were becoming afraid that they weren't up for the journey. Just like you. Just like me. In the midst of our own fears and doubts and spiritual emptiness, when our hearts ache or when we're just struggling to find everyday patience to let God do something I think that's why Jesus was suddenly kind of frustrated with the disciples a little bit, his friends. In the midst of their fears, they asked for more power for themselves, not realizing that the more power they have, the less of him they were going to be able to claim. He wanted them to understand that faith isn't an amount of something. Even if you have a little bit like a mustard seed, you'll be able to do great things because he's the one that's working in you and through you. And it takes faith to even believe that. And so God gives it, creates it, sustains it. Faith, an immeasurable thing like God's love. It's living, trusting that the Lord is with you, leading the way even into the darkness of death. Jesus shows us that even if that's where we're going, he's there. He has your life holding on to you. He promises you'll endure and walk in his way and get to where you need to go. Because faith might not be a measurable amount of power, but it's powerful nonetheless. So I can't really make sense out of the suffering or the complexity in the world and how things are working right now. I'm not even sure that I'm supposed to as much as I want to. I do know, though, that we are called as disciples to do what Jesus tells us to do. That's the end of the text. To love and care and do what we can to show everyone that God is love through our lives. I mean, we don't have to throw mulberry bushes into the sea or anything else to prove it. We only need to put one foot in the other and do our best to match our Lord's strides of love because he promises that we don't walk alone, that he's always there, and that we're in this together. So the third grade Bibles, I'm going to invite you up in a moment, parents and third graders, we're in this together. Kids, you're not alone. Parents, you've made promises and the church promised to support you and this is part of our promise today, but we're gonna promise to continue to support you so that you realize that you're not alone. I don't know if you noticed that part in the text, the together part. 
The disciples don't cry out, increase my faith. The text says they cry out together, Lord, increase our faith. Faith's a relational thing we do together as companions and partners and and friends. And, And dare I say, in this space with the way the world works, even as enemies, when I'm weak, you can trust for me. Until I can stand and move on my own and and do the same for you when your scars hurt too badly. And through that relationship, God leads you and guides you through sickness and suffering and even death. For faith means we rely upon the power of God. He's called you, saved you. Wait, he's called us, saved us and calls us to follow him in and through this world, holding on to faith, his sacrifice on the cross, which is the ultimate expression of God's perfect and completely immeasurable love, shows us the truth of his promise, and the resurrection proves that God's promises are trustworthy. Lord, thank you for giving us all the faith we need. Help us to come together as proclaimers and reminders of that beautiful treasure that you've given us, that we can stay strong together even when we're weak. In your name we pray, amen. So third graders, this is so great. I want to invite you and your parents forward. We're going to gather right here. We're going to take your Bibles. We're going to present them to you. So if you're here for the Bible event, I invite you to come forward. Just walk on up. And there's not that many of you, so you're all going to just line up right here, okay? Oh, yeah. I still have the first Bible that my parents gave me. It was a good news Bible, the gold ones. And one Christmas, we didn't have enough money for presents, and so we sewed gifts, and my sister sewed me a a Bible cover that I still have. It had puffer paint on it. Remember that stuff that got all over? Yeah, just just line up right here, guys. Kids, parents, you have to stretch on out. It'll be great. Right on at the end there. I'm going to say a few words here for you and help you make promises, and then I'm going to have your parents come up, and we'll, we'll we'll give them a Bible, okay? So... When your children were baptized, you stood around a font, either here or like this, and you promised to place in their hands the Holy Scriptures. Your moms and dads said that for you. On this exciting day, parents, you publicly have the opportunity to keep that promise. So here's my ask. Are you willing to place this book into their hands, to read the Bible with your children, and to model your love for the study of God's word in the world? If so, say yes with God's help. Now, here's the cool thing. You're not alone in that. So I have to ask you, even though it's a little uncomfortable, to just turn and look around at everybody back there just quickly. Will you, the members of South Canyon Lutheran Church, partner with these parents by praying for them as they lead their children spiritually, by teaching their children as you are able at church, and by modeling a Christ-like life? If so, say yes with God's help. Nice. Now you can turn and face me. So since this might be easier, I'm just going to give you a Bible. Just hold on to it. I'll give you guys a Bible. Rather than moving around, I'll give you guys a Bible, okay? I want you to grab that Bible. 
Moms and dads, moms hold the Bible. Kids hold the Bible together. Parents, as you let go of the Bible, put it in their hands and say, I place the word of God's into your hands. Awesome kids. Let's pray. Everlasting God, today these young people are publicly receiving a copy of the Bible, your word. Help them to hear you speaking to them through the stories, the mysteries, the commandments, and the good news that are found in Holy Scriptures. May they be asking questions like, what does this mean? And also questions like, what does this do to me? Work your love in them. May your life-giving word inspire these children and all of us gathered here to recommit ourselves to reading, learning, and growing in our faith through the use of the word of God. Amen. I am so glad to be a part of this part of your life, and I know Pastor Eric and Miss Michelle are as well. So I'll see you guys downstairs if you're able, right after church, okay? Go downstairs, and I'll help you explore your Bible. And you know what? If you want, you can look at it in church. Go back. You guys can go back and sit down.